Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Don Kennedy, president and founder of ProMaster. Thanks for joining us, Don. My pleasure, Mike. Always good to be on the show. Good. Before we get started, I thought I'd uh, tell people what's happening uh, here at Sandler next week. Uh, we have the cold call camp on Wednesday the 20th from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. That's where we teach people how to get by the gatekeeper, build five scripts for, I'm sorry, three scripts for the contact, and then five different ways to break other people's voicemail to force them to call you back. And then we spend at least two hours in the afternoon actually making cold calls to your prospects. We record them, and we can then debrief them. And I've used some of that material from the cold call camp over the years. Have you? It's a good class. Yeah. It's the last one for the year. Okay. On the 21st, we have the tip club meeting. It's Thursday morning from 7.30 to 9 a.m. And... We have, starting in January, on January 13th, we changed the day and time for the Sandler Foundation's classes in 2014. We're going to be running them on Mondays from 11 to 1, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and attempt to do things differently. Well, that's good. And that Foundation's class is terrific for company owners that have a lot of people and need to give someone the, like we put our people through that class. Is it still eight weeks? Still eight weeks. Yeah. And... Starting sometime in 2014, we're going to have the customer service programs. I said that plural will be two customer service programs. There will be the really short retail program for retail salespeople. That will be five weeks, and you'll be able to buy that as either one repetition or two repetitions. And then there will be the standard 12-week customer service program for people who are B2B, uh, inbound telesales or uh, about real customer service, customer support. Why don't you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about ProMaster? Sure, I appreciate that. Well, the story kind of goes like this, Mike. Uh, I was in the military for a lot of years. I was an Air Force pilot. Uh, nothing glamorous. I flew a tanker, so I passed gas for a living. And uh, early on in my Air Force career, I... Uh, Some people would say that's glamorous. Well, it could be, you know, but they don't they don't make movies about, you know, tanker. And, uh, you know, while well, I enjoyed it, I learned a lot. I wouldn't have changed it. I appreciated the opportunity to serve my country, learned a lot of great things, built a lot of great relationships. So you you would have been top gas. Top gas. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, our biggest fear was running out of coffee, you know, on those long missions. But, uh, you know, I always had a desire to be in business. And, you know, if you're a free, independent, creative thinking person, I, you know, military isn't necessarily the best place. And uh, so I, after I got out, I knew I wanted to own my own business. And in particular, I wanted to redeem what I considered to be a dishonest or crooked business. But uh, my passions at the time, as I was really interested in politics and I loved cars, 
Well, I thought, you know, well, what's, but I didn't have the name recognition to run for Congress, and I, I didn't have the money to open a car dealership, so I said, well, what's worse than politicians and these car salesmen? Home repair and improvement guys. So that's, I got into the home repair industry, uh, and I've uh, been doing that about seven years now, and we built a uh, pretty large home repair company. Mm-hmm. How many employees do you have now? I have 10 right now. 10 right now. And uh, we're always short. Because, in fact, uh, the listeners should know, Mike and I were sitting here talking up for 20 minutes about all the woes I have uh, trying to find outstanding employees. I know no one out there, no other business owner out there has that problem. I realize I'm all alone with that one. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's a huge challenge. So if, you, if, you, if anyone is listening and they know a good craftsman. That's right. Please send them our way. Or if they're, if they're skilled and they're, they can do magic with helping company owners find, find the right employees, let's get them on the radio show. Let's find out what they know. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Let's uh, talk about uh, business growth today, Don. Sure. Right there. And uh, Don has agreed to answer questions from the audience. So if you have a question and you want to call in, we'll take those calls during the uh, commercial breaks. If the number is, as always, 646-595-4916. Now, you can call that number if you're listening live today on November 15th. If you're listening to the show on December 15th or another day or a different time, don't bother the cooks. We won't answer the phone. <laughs> and we will screen calls during the commercial breaks. Don, uh, why don't you tell our audience what the greatest strengths are of uh, ProMaster? Well, although we struggle trying to find craftsmen that meet our standards uh, of the kind of caliber we need, one thing we're great at is marketing. Really good at it. And I meet so many business owners today, Mike, that, you know, since this depression began back in 07, 08, I like to call it that. I, I think that's a fair term for the environment that we're in. Business is tough. I, I don't, I rarely meet anybody where they say, oh, man, my business is just growing like weeds, and it's a breeze. We're all struggling to try to find those right prospects, those right clients for our business and get enough of them. Mm-hmm. And that's what, and, I, and I've grown up in that environment. I mean, I, I don't remember what boom times were like as a business person. You know, I was working for the government. So I don't know any other environment. I don't have any other environment to compare it to but the fact that it's tough. And I think as our country continues down this slide, you know, and and our our currency continues to be devalued as our country incurs more debt, as our businesses become more and more uncompetitive due to declining economic conditions and regulations, so on and so forth, business is only going to get harder. It's only going to be harder for those small and medium-sized business owners to grow their businesses. And I think in, in every area of our business, you know, we, we have to be smarter. And in, in my industry in particular, if you're in the, the service business, home service business, people pour tons of money down the hole of marketing in an attempt to get their phone to ring or to uh, acquire leads of qualified prospects. Mm-hmm. Marketing is a, uh, a kind of a black art. A black art. True. Marketers uh, may not agree with that, but where you pour thousands or hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of dollars in at the top and virtually nothing comes out the bottom. That's right. If you're lucky, you've got leads that you can count. Uh, Sandler invested at least a half a million dollars a year for the, like five years in marketing get top of mind awareness for the Sandler training brand. While it may have accomplished that, uh, it didn't put very many leads in the hands of most sandal trainers. And I think there's this fallacy, and tell me if you agree with this, I think a lot of small and medium-sized business owners like ourselves think that we need to approach branding our companies the way a Fortune 500 company. 
And I completely disagree with that. Not that brand is unimportant. You know, your, your logo, your messaging, your USP, those things are important. But spending tons of advertising dollars to try to create top-of-mind awareness of your brand if you're a small or medium-sized business owner, I think is lunacy. And in my industry in particular, it's considered normal to spend 8, 10, 12% of your business on marketing and advertising. And when you do that, I mean, think about it. Marketing isn't a value add to your product or service. And your customer doesn't get a better product because you had an ad on television. Right, or had a big uh, 40-foot booth at the Home and Garden Show. Or the trade show for your industry or whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. It's not a value add. And so you look at it and you say, well, if I can trim that budget down and I can get greater return on investment, what can I then do with those dollars to improve my customer service, to improve my product quality, to improve the efficiency of my company so I can either, A, be more price competitive if you're in a highly commoditized industry, or B, differentiate yourself from your competitors so you can remain at a premium price level. Absolutely. Or C, as a business owner, put more money in, in your, your pocket. pocket. Yeah, very good. Or take more time off. And so I shock people when they see our company's presence and they, they ask, are you a national company? No, it's And I tell them, I say, we, we spend 2% of our business on marketing. And that, that's, that's from uniforms to vehicle truck wraps to whatever precious little advertising we do. Two percent. That's mm-hmm. unheard of. And we have ROIs. And here's the other thing. I mean, if every marketing coach is going to preach at you, right? make sure you track where all your leads are coming from and make you see what business was done. And that's great. Everybody should be doing that. Everybody knows they need to do that. And so we do as well. And to me, my minimum threshold to spend money on something like advertising is 25 to 1. And people think I'm crazy because most people are ex- except 7 or 10 to 1 return on investment for every marketing. My ROIs are between 25 and 50, and then they don't believe it. I get out the data and show them where it's, you know, but there's been a long-fought strategy that we're going to talk about today mm-hmm. of how you can achieve that in, in almost any industry. Right, right. The reason I took the show off of uh, commercial radio was the best we could do was a 300% return on investment. And does that make you money, your, your life? It didn't make enough money because right. it was not repeatable. Right. I could drop $5,000 in and bring $15,000 out. It was going to take a year, and it didn't matter whether I dropped $25,000 right. in. I was still only going to bring $15,000 out. Yes. So uh, there, was a, there was a self uh, limiter in there in the business-to-business market. You're in the business-to-consumer market, so you may have a little different effect. Uh, Other things may be in different markets where uh, direct mass media will have no effect. Uh, although, in today's marketplace, mass media might really mean your cell phone. Mm-hmm. And in which case, if it's on the cell phone, it may have some value. Uh, I, I personally don't click on ads on a cell phone, whether yeah. it's on LinkedIn or Facebook. Or, I don't either. Or Maybe that's stuff. generational. I know. We're, we're too old to click <laughs> on ads. Maybe we're too smart to click on ads. But the mass media marketing is probably not the right way to go for most businesses. I, I wholeheartedly agree, especially for small and medium-sized businesses. And what is Sandler, what is the Sandler business philosophy always talk about, and I hear you talk about this in classes for all the years that I've stepped in them, mm-hmm. is that you always, and see if you can finish my sentence, you would always say, Don, I want you to be touching 100% of the desirable opportunities 100% of the time. 100% of the time. 
And so when we shotgun our, our approach to marketing and advertising, and we're trying to touch all people of all stripes with no understanding no, of the prospect we're trying to get. Desirable opportunity. Yeah. You know, uh, at one point, I, I looked at all the businesses here in uh, Cincinnati for my business, and from a, a universe of roughly 50,000 businesses in Cincinnati at that time, we came up with a number of about 4,000 that were, in quotation marks, desirable. And those, those were cross-sectioned by geography to bring us down to a number of 2,500 where we wanted to have 100% saturation. Um, the bigger the business, the fewer of them there are, and the smaller the business, the many more there are. Uh, but when you, when you striate and match by the geography, touching the 100% of the desirables uh, is possible. Of course, today we have email, uh, which isn't exactly free, but virtually free. Sure. Uh, but it, it, it does uh, reach a lot of people. It is not 100% because of uh, blacklists and whitelists and uh, spam. Uh, and I'm not going to suggest that you ever spam anybody, but you, you need to attract them uh, through your website, uh, which is a, a good way to do it. And uh, we're up to our first break. So, again, our, our call-in number, if you have a question about sales or marketing for me or Don, the number is 646-595-4916. And uh, I'm going to have Jimmy Fox come on and talk about our uh, tip club, which meets next Thursday, the 21st, from 7.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. Those meeting times are sharp. We start at 7.30. We will end at 9 a.m. Jimmy, take it away. Hi, I'm Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. Tip Club is a professional networking organization whose members help each other succeed. We meet once per month and provide a forum where business-to-business professionals are able to connect with more desirable opportunities and build long-term strategic partnerships. I'm inviting Cincinnati Business Talk listeners to come to our free networking event. You'll have the opportunity to meet new people, share leads and referrals, and grow your business through strategic alliances. Membership in our Cincinnati group is open to only one person per specific trade or occupation. Business-to-business professionals only, please. We do not accept multi-level marketing or recruiting-driven memberships. This is our only group in Cincinnati. We'll meet on the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, 4357 Ferguson Drive, Cincinnati, Ohio. To reserve a seat please go to www.tipclub.com and click on the Events tab at the top of the page. Then, just scroll down the list until you come to the Cincinnati event. Or you may call 800-798-0270. That's 1-800-798-0270. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you at our next networking event. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Don Kennedy. Uh, Don, before the break, we were talking about 
marketing. And let's continue down uh, that road. Uh, from your perspective, what are the four or five factors in marketing that company owners, presidents need to look at so they get the maximum bang for their buck? I'll go through those five in a second, but first let's put it in context. For those that are listening to the show, whether you're a salesperson, business owner, manager, you can imagine that there's always those clients you hate, those clients you wish you didn't have and you didn't sell, the ones that cost you money, drive you nuts, waste a bunch of your time. And if you're a small business owner, maybe the people that stiff you and don't pay you or those people that make your life crazy, mm -hmm. those people will put you out of business. On the, yeah, on the other end, there's those people you love to do business with, the mm -hmm. people who appreciate you, give you tons of repeat work, who sing your praises, who are a perfect fit for your company. But you know what the funny thing is? When I ask a salesperson or I ask a business owner, just in casual conversation, when they're talking about they wish they had more business, they say, well, describe for me what a terrible client looks like. They can do that. Mm -hmm. They can do that really well. But then I say, well, describe for me what that top 20% client looks like, the person you love doing work with, that person or that organization or company you wish you could have more of. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. It is. And so it's like, you know, it's like shooting in the dark. Mm -hmm. If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every single time. If you don't know what you're looking for, what are you going to find every time? Randomly, you'll hit an elephant. Every once in a while. So that's why you've got to have clarity with your marketing and your advertising so you know it is exactly what it is that you're, gonna, you're, you're hoping to get. And so the five things I wanted to talk about today was first, do you know the demographics of your ideal prospect? We'll talk about what that looks like in a second. Mm -hmm. Next, do you know where they are? Do you know the geographics of where those clients uh, reside or where they go? Mm -hmm. Next, the psychographics. And that's fun to talk about, especially in line Sandler, because Sandler is all about understanding the psychology of what's happening to you in your industry with your clients and your prospect. And the next is their behaviors. What do these people do? And where do they go and why? And then the final one, it's kind of a newer thing, is where we take those four things and we ask ourselves the question, how do demographics, how do geographics, psychographics, and behavior all play out online, mm -hmm. you know, in the virtual world? So, so we're going to be talking about the virtual world here for the audience. Let's take the first area, demographics. And I think this is one where a lot of people have some intuitive understanding that they need to know about their mm -hmm. client. But my, my challenge for the people listening to it you know, if you, first, I hope you've segmented your customer database. I hope you've done that and you can define what If you want to find more of them, you're going to need to know, and again, every industry is going to be different about what are the important demographics for you. But if you haven't studied your own client database to figure out, can I find any commonality in, the, in these folks, then it's going to be different. So, you know, in my industry, it might be age, gender, home value, credit score, income, those types of things. And, and that's, that's commonly discussed in marketing. But you, you need to figure out what are the key demographics for your ideal prospect and have those clearly defined. And people in your organization should know what they're looking for from a demographic, demographic basis. Mm -hmm. What about for you, Mike, in your business? Uh, well, we prefer to do business to business. Right. Uh, sellers, individuals. Uh, and we divided the world into seven steps. Anyone on step zero, uh, almost automatically is not a prospect. A salesman making $35,000 a year straight salary, or that plus a really small commission. We want to work with on step one, 
people who are on uh, salary plus commission or 100% commissions in industries where they can commonly earn more than $100,000. Manufacturers reps, uh, financial services advisors, uh, insurance, uh, those, those people, mortgage people, those people can make more than $100,000 uh, as an employee or as an independent uh, rep. Uh, what we define uh, as step twos are entrepreneurs, those people who started their own business. Uh, they probably don't have anyone in sales. They may have other people in the back office to do the IT work. Got it. Okay. Uh, our step three would be the, the company now. We're probably talking about over a million dollars a year in revenue. And uh, we're probably talking up to uh, $10 million a year. Uh, the owner and one or two salespersons. And if you analyze the sales of that demographic company, 50% or more of the total sales come out of the personal productivity of the owner, manager, entrepreneur, and the other uh, 30 or 50% comes from the, the two or three salespeople that he has. See, now look at this. This is a great example. You understand the demographic of your ideal prospect. Mm-hmm. How did you How did you find that out? Uh, only a lot of uh, hard work and blood. Uh, in, in my world, we have plenty of sales, uh, sailor people. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've had people fail, and we've had people succeed wildly. And when we broke down who the good clients are and where they came from, we came up with these seven steps. That's what we've done, too. Look at your ideal clients. Look at the ones you want to do more business and, with. In my world, yeah. step three is where I would like to be. And... Uh, step four gets a little bit slippy, slippery because that's where we have a vice president of sales. They're still operating regionally here in the Cincinnati uh, marketplace, uh, but there's a VP of sales. He's making $150,000 a year. And how does he go to the company owner or president and say, hey, they bought you order hire Roth at Sandler and spend $150,000 with him because he knows stuff that I don't know our people need. And so step four gets what we call slippery. So VP of sales, title, uh, not exciting. Uh, do we sell some of them? Sure. They're more difficult to sell, more treacherous uh, than a step three. Uh, step five uh, would be a company uh, like ProSource right now, okay, where this company president is a VP of sales. There's, uh, but there's regions and they operate beyond the one city. They operate three or four cities. So there's management uh, that's spread over a larger geography, but it's still a privately held company. Uh, even up to step five, we're in privately held companies. At step six, we're into regional companies, uh, companies that uh, are public on step five, uh, but only operate regionally. U.S. Bank might be a good example of a regional one. Uh, Fifth Third Bank, definitely a regional player. Uh, on step seven, the highest level, those are, uh, again, publicly held companies. There's a C, the C-suite. Uh, there is uh, a global footprint. Uh, those are clients like Procter & Gamble and, uh, and IBM. Uh, decisions can be made at lower levels than the CEO of a publicly held company in step seven. Okay. Sam said, start at the top. And what you meant was start at the highest level for that level of decision that you're asking people to make. Um, 
$100,000 decision or $200,000 decision for a small step two company owning the CEO, step two or three companies can make a $100,000 decision. Uh, but at IBM, a $100,000 decision is made at the director level. Now, let's apply this really, because this is really awesome. You've really got all these different ideal prospects to find in these different that's, that's, steps. Excuse me. They're not all ideal. Frankly, I save my ammo when I don't shoot at step six and seven. So what do you, which ones do you and like? I them? rarely shoot at five, only when I have an, an elephant meanders into my okay. sights. Awesome. I like to shoot at step two, three, sometimes one. Sometimes okay. fine. But see, this is great. And why? They stay around for a long time. You know, when I work with a step two company, an entrepreneur, or step three, an entrepreneur plus a sales team, right. we can generally have great impact in a relatively short period of time. In one or two years, we're going to be looking golden. And what does that do for your revenue stream in the future? Uh, many corporate accounts, as we call them, uh -huh. uh, are around for three, six, nine years, and an individual on step one who buys a five-five president's club is only going to be around for a year to 18 months. Right. So from a, a business perspective, it's better to have the companies, but in, in another perspective, in terms of bringing balance into a sandwich business, we, we need to have both. We, need, we should be at 50% individuals and 50% um, corporate work. And what you brought up is a great question when you're looking at the demographics. Are you a transactional business or are you a repeat equity value business? Meaning that are you the type of business that thrives off a client from smaller transactions over a long period of time and a relationship or are you just no kidding, just one and done pure transactions? So I, I love I'm that. not a kitchen remodeler where yeah. I, I sell you a slab of marble, right. marked up 500% and I'm never, never going to see you again. Yeah. Right. In, in our world, the most revenue is in, in the largest Sandler franchisees in the country are the ones that have the same account for five, ten, exactly. or fifteen years. Exactly. But every business is different, and that's important to define in the demographics. But you're really clear then on what it is you're going after. Oh yeah, I mean, if you're located in Toledo, Ohio, uh, well, I'd love to do business with you. I just simply don't go to Toledo. Well, that brings up step two: geographics. Mm -hmm. That I, I meet a lot of people who, um, you know, have, they don't have their demographics defined, mm -hmm. and they don't understand where these clients are. Mm -hmm. So they, have, they, they broadcast their message by buying advertising or doing cold calls or walk-ins or trade shows. I mean, I saw a national chain advertising on Cincinnati television yeah. uh, last, last night, and I don't watch much TV, but it's, it, it surprised me that they were on TV in prime time in Cincinnati and my wife and I looked at each other and said, we're going to have an outlet if we wanted to go there. Mm -hmm. I don't think there is one. Uh, wasted, know, wasted marketing Wasted dollars. marketing dollars. And uh, again, Don and I have agreed to take calls. So if you have a question for Don or me, the number is 646-595-4916. Uh, before we finish this segment, Don, why don't you tell uh, our listeners how they can get a hold of you at ProMaster. Well, I appreciate that. If you're in the Cincinnati area and you have a problem with a home you think you might be able to help with, you dial us at 513-724-0539. Or you can check us out on the web at mastermylist.com.
www.promasterpromaster.com, and we always love to be your friend on Facebook, keyword Promaster Crest. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. You've heard our commercials about sales and sales management, but you haven't made the call for some reason. Maybe you're having your best year ever. Maybe you think a sales development company won't work in your industry. You're different. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Maybe you're afraid that if you called, you'd buy something. If you're happy with all your sales and profits and believe you have all the answers or simply don't see yourself investing in yourself or your people, then don't make the call. We have nothing for you. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, mentoring, business owners, and sales professionals who are serious about their careers. So if you believe that Sandler Sales Training might make you better, faster, meaner, and stronger, call me at 513-646-6523 or register for our next open house. Roth & Associates, the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. You can check us at www.rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. At the first sign of trouble, there are three types of business leader. The first type of leader is like a turtle. He pulls his head and tail in and hides in his shell. Turtles hunker down, just trying to survive. The second type of leader is an opportunist. They're like eagles. Eagles spread their wings and take advantage of the winds. They catch the storm wind and rise to new heights. The third group, between turtles and eagles, are called turkeys. Turkeys are average and anxious. They huddle together and move. They never saw. However, turkeys are easy prey for those who seize the opportunity and soar. If someone in your industry goes out of business, are you going to get the business? The question is, which type of leader are you? Will you seize the opportunities to take market share and grow, or will your fate be like the turkeys? If you're serious about growth, call me to arrange a confidential meeting, 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Don Kennedy. Uh, Don, so we've, we've talked about demographics. Just a little on geographics. Geographics. So the main point on that is that after you've figured out all of the technical attributes of how you could group your clients and you can figure out and define which types of clients or prospects would be your ideal, you got to know where they are. So literally, if it's and you, down... you have to have an infrastructure to service them. That's right. So it, it, you need to know if, it, if you're in a service business like that, what, what's your radius? Where are they? Where are they in relation to you? Where are they in relation to each other? Are there higher concentrations of them in some places versus other? All those types of things are critical. And many times when I ask a salesperson, a business developer, or a company president, they've never looked into it. They've never studied it. Mm-hmm. They've never done even something as simple as graphed those ideal prospects we, or clients on a map. In Los Angeles, when I had the business there 25 years ago, when we started it, we had a, a service radius of 34 miles from Torrance, California. And three or four years later, when I sold the business, we had reduced the service radius to seven miles. Why is that? Uh, we could not adequately service at a reasonable cost to the business people in Pasadena. We couldn't drive through downtown L.A. We oh, couldn't I spent get a lot of here. years in downtown L.A. I grew up out there, and that would be why. Right? Time. It took too much time to get there. 30 miles could take you three hours. Yeah, yeah, it was terrible. I remember one day where I had a, a tech in Pasadena who desperately needed a board that we had in Torrance, mm-hmm. and I had to send a, tech in, a second tech in a truck to meet the guy. And, and stuck on the 405. Well, yeah. not on the 405, but on the Harbor Freeway sure. in downtown. Sure. Uh, and we lost two guys for six hours. Yeah. And I'm scratching my head saying, we'll never 
That was may have been the day that I decided we'll never sell another account in Pasadena. It was a great territory to sell in, but we, we couldn't we couldn't work there. And we had the, we had a, a similar but different problem with the accounts up in Hollywood. Uh, in, in the end, we we sold a few, and every every client we sold was insane. I mean, it, it was crazy relative to uh, the regular businesses. So we, we redlined the entertainment industry and said, "We're not going to sell for the entertainment industry." We did a little bit. But on top of geographics, yeah, the first two are pretty easy to get. Maybe be a lot of work. You may have to hire somebody to help you. They may be a lot of study, but they're fairly straightforward. Straightforward. Demographics, okay, geographics. But this Third is the one. tough one: psychographics. And psychographics. What that, what that means is just the compelling psychological reason why someone's choosing your business over a competitor, and why they choose to re- remain loyal to your business or not. This one's the fun one. This is where you got to get inside the head of prospect and a client to understand what's really going on inside the bank. This, this is a tough one. This is one that's going to take you a lot of time and a lot of effort. But when you figure that out, this is what's going to make you a lot of money and really laser focus your branding, your message, and the tactics and means by which you communicate with those prospects. Mm-hmm. So in your case, Mike, I'm just kind of curious. You know, you, you identified a couple of those ideal prospects on those different steps Mm-hmm. that were perfect for you, what's going through their mind? What kind of pain are they in? What kind of problems do they have? You have to know what you're looking for. Good. You know, we're looking for company owners who are unhappy with margins. We're looking for people who uh, are dissatisfied about, with long selling cycles. Uh, they're, they're having difficulty uh, getting in front of the right decision makers. Now, is that the first thing that comes out of their mouth? When you cold called them, or they called you, curious Almost or never. interested? Well, Almost never. What's the Sandler rule? The first problem the, the prospect brings you is never the real no problem. problem, right? Same is true in our industry, in our business. So if you if you're going off of what you think people tell you, if you're an engineer, every time you get an RFQ that comes across the facts, you know, or every if you're in a service business, every time a homeowner calls you for something, or if you're in a consulting business, every time someone tells you they have a problem. It's almost never really what's really going on in their mind. Yeah, there's always something else going on. And if you can, tr- and this one's tough, you're going to have to focus group it, you're going to have to survey it. One of the best ways to do it is listen to people's complaints. Listen to them when they're angry and when they're emotional. You know, do you have a process in place where you survey your clients and really get to the nitty gritty and use even third parties and then compare that against the two? But just let me give you an example of how it played out in our business. That over the years, a lot of people in the trade, remodeling contractors, you know, heating and air guys, anybody in the, in the service trades, they, they, in their marketing, they talk about things like they're bonded, they're insured. You know, we have these experienced technicians and these wonderful warranties, right, features and benefits sellers, mm-hmm. okay? And they pound their chest about how they're more wonderful than the next guy. But the funny thing is that when you talk to people and you get them honest about what their fears are inviting someone into their home mm-hmm. or why they choose one company over the next, or why they stay loyal to one company or the next. You know what happens, Mike? You know what you find out? No. It what? has nothing to do with those things I just mentioned. What? Nothing whatsoever. What does it really got to do with that? Uh, what we saw for our business, the things that after listening to people for years and years and years, when we did it right and when we screwed up, it came down to two very simple, fundamental things going on. Okay. First, is they're sick and tired of people not showing up to their house on time. Think about it. You're a busy professional, Mike. 
can you take off a day of work and sit at home for the cable guy to show up or the guy to come repair your refrigerator? Uh, I can't do that. Why? It's too expensive. How so? You're independently wealthy. You got more money than you need. I mean, that's not going to cost you any business. Of course, it's going to cost you business. So if, if even if a guy says, Mike, we'll give you a two-hour window, we'll be there between you know 10 and 12, how often does the guy actually make that window? Less than 50%. And when he shows up at 1.30 and wonders why you're upset, how does that make you feel? Not good, because he's, he's going to be there working for another hour or two hours, and I'm still stuck. And at the end of that, now what do you think? I've lost half a day on this $10 refrigerator thing. And you going to call that guy back? Probably not. Probably not. So we figured out right off the bat that... But he was better than the guy who said, when he did show up, he needed a whole new refrigerator because okay. we can't fix the compressor. Right. There was nothing wrong with the compressor. Mm-hmm. It was a, a frozen fan. So he saved you some money. Mm-hmm. I can't even tell you the guy's name today. Mm-hmm. So we found out that the best thing we can do is be on time. And when we weren't on time, they were furious with us. Mm-hmm. And the other thing we found is that the safety and security aspect of the fact that most of the guys working in the trades have some type of criminal background, mm-hmm. high degree of drug or substance abuse problems, okay? mm-hmm. or they're dirty, or unseemly, when they give you the creeps, and people don't want to invite those kind of folks into their home. They don't feel comfortable with that. So we we take those two problems off the table with our business model, but guess what we lead with with our branding and our message? On time, family-friendly, home repair heroes. Mm -hmm. So that's what we focus on. So when you figure out the psychology of why somebody's going to choose your company, it really helps you begin to narrow in even more on who it is you're looking for. So people that don't care whether or not, I mean, if you're retired, you got nothing to do, you're bored, you're dating, an on time company doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter what Larry so, McCabe so, you know, Why would I market to the retired population? It doesn't matter to them. They're not going to pay a not premium price. It's not my demographic. They're not looking for that. So stay out of the yellow pages yeah. if it's still allowed on paper. That's right. That's right. Not they, much longer. You know, and, they, and they try to, the yellow pages try That's to right. say they're uh, on the web. But the real truth is you have to look for what matters to people most. That's right. You know, in Sandler's case, uh, we looked at what was this, and we did this about six years or seven years ago, what was the single factor that differentiated Sandler training from everyone else in the sales training world? Do you know what that was, Don? I don't. What was Long-term positive reinforcement training. And... Uh, the advertising agency probably charged, the branding agency charged Sandler $80,000 to come up with that brilliant solution. And then we said, okay, so we make that our company logo. And they said, oh, no, it's too many words. Put their hand out for another thirty grand sure. in six months to reduce it to finding power in reinforcement. Now, that's a true story. Uh, before that, the Sandler term, uh, the logo is Sandler Works. Uh, nice term, simple. You know, they printed lots of posters. So um, I'm in Baltimore last week with the uh, the marketing VP, uh, and I said to her, Rachel, I want to buy some posters for my clients, saying we're finding power and reinforcement. How much are they? And she says, well, uh, uh, we don't have any. We're going to do a new branding study. And uh, today, finally, a week later, she, she came back with a custom price to do some custom posters temporarily until April of next year when the new logo, uh, new tagline mm-hmm. is created uh, because other training companies are using uh, 
over the web reinforcement. So we're not totally exclusive in that area anymore. Uh, and in our industry, there's been some consolidation with some roll-up companies buying other larger sales training companies. So Sandler now is probably unique that we are the only privately, largest privately held international sales training company. And we've seen a lot of growth. Uh, again, if you have a question for me, the other number is 646-595-4916. to be one more opportunity. Uh, Don, how do you handle the different age groups? You, you implied the difference between uh, seniors who are no longer working uh, and can stay home all day waiting for the cable guy uh, and people who are working. What are the other uh, age group marketing issues that people should address? Well, I'll tell you a few ones that people assume would be great for our business. And they, they, they might seem intuitive that these would be a good fit. I'm glad you bring up the, uh, the senior population because most people, when they hear about our business, the quality of craftsmen we hire, the criminal background checks, the extensivity of, extensiveness of the, the, the checks, the drug screening, the clean cut on time, a lot of people say, oh, you'd be perfect for, you know, folks that are retired. And actually, we, do, we, do, we don't do well with, the, with that crowd, which mm -hmm. is shocking. And the reason is a lot of them are on fixed incomes. They can't afford a premium service. They have a mindset of what things cost 30 or 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, and if we were on an honest money standard, things would cost the same as they were 40 or 50 years ago, but, you know, they, they, they don't. And so they, they have an emotional barrier to using our company. And they don't need a lot of the premium uh, service. And being on time just costs a lot of money to be develop a system so you can get technicians there on time. So it's of no value to them. So it's, it's a mismatch. It's a lot harder sell because they don't have the kind of pain that a busy professional like yourself who can't afford to waste time with amateurs. You know, so that's an example. Another example is we don't do well with the affluent. People would think, well, you know, you're a premium price service. You must do really well. And they'll throw out names of neighborhoods that are typically known in this area. Like Indian Hill. Like Indian Hill if you're in Cincinnati, Ohio. Sure. We don't do well in that crowd either. And why wouldn't you do well there? Well, I, I don't want to be ugly, but I'll be frank. I think many times the affluent uh, believe that many trade contractors are out to get them. Mm -hmm. And so because we're more expensive, they feel we're doing that to them. And they drive a terribly hard bargain. They, they, they care a lot more about price mm -hmm. than middle class folks do. And we've had more bad debt problems of them stiffing us and not paying when it's all said and done. Wow. Don, we're going to be right back after the commercial break. And... Uh we're going to uh, be listening to a Sandler Rule. Again, you can call in on 646-595-4916. Let's listen to Sandler Rule number 44. Hi, I'm Eric Meyer with Sandler Training, here to talk about Rule 44. If your foot hurts, you're probably standing on your own toe. Here's an example. You go through your proposal with the prospect. Everything looks great. Your prospect is responding in a positive fashion to the information that you brought to the table. Um, everyone feels good. You wrap up and move forward for the order, only to find that the prospect says that they have to take your information to a committee. Now, at this point, you can get angry with the prospect. 
Why didn't they bring that up? Why didn't they tell you that they were going to have to take this information to somebody else before they could make a decision? Well, it's your job to ask the right questions to uncover roadblocks and potential problems ahead of time so that you don't find yourself scrambling at a future date when it's already too late. So take responsibility when the prospect brings up new problems and challenges. If you ask the right questions ahead of time, you can diffuse a situation before it's too late. And next time you're faced with the situation, the results will be positive. Company owners and sales managers, are you tired of cutting your price to get the deal? Wouldn't you like to have a better way? Wouldn't you want to improve your margins? Call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523 to see if there's a better way for you. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Don Kennedy. Uh, Don, in our time left, we're going to cover some more marketing. That's it, yeah. What's the next area that we want to talk about? The next area is what I call behaviors. Mm-hmm. How does the prospect go about finding a solution to their problem? And that's going to be different for a lot of different people. Do they go online? And if they go online, how do they go about finding the problem? Do they talk to other people first? Do they get referrals from neighbors? Do they, do they look in a phone book? Do they attempt to do it themselves first? Do they talk to a neighbor? You know, do. In other words, you have to figure out what pools the fish are swimming in so you know in which one to cast your net. Mm-hmm. And these things begin to merge. So I'm glad you brought up the, I know I'm going to get a bunch of hate mail from the folks in Indian Hill now after this show, okay? But what it is, is it's a great, or I should say the affluent, but you get this merge between now behaviors, psychographics, geographics, and demographics. Because you know what's funny? The affluent that don't live in Indian Hill are fantastic clients. Mm-hmm. So this becomes a trigger for us when we have a client where we know they need certain demographics, certain geographics, okay? Now we're testing the psychographics and behaviors to disqualify them as a prospect. Mm-hmm. Okay? So for us, let me give you a concrete example of how behaviors look. I call this trap marketing. This gets into the final one of social graphics, how those first four demographics, geographics, psychographics, and behavior play out online. And the way it looks in our industry, for example, is that people, I call it trap marketing because if I were to go out and trap an animal because I was hungry and I was starving and I was out in the middle of the forest, I'd want to know at what time and where and how that particular animal travels throughout the day, and I'll want to set my trap or my snare in the middle of that pathway. Sure. Okay, what does that have to do with marketing? This is the way I explain things. You like, you like baseball, I know that, right? I'm okay with baseball, okay. sure. I ask many people who are fans of the Cincinnati Reds here, there's a particular cable channel here in the area that airs all the Reds games, and you see the same commercials on the same Reds games over and over and over again, mm-hmm. right? A lot of them are for particular companies. And I'll ask them, oh, you know, I know you watch a lot of Reds on uh, baseball on this particular channel. Then I'll ask them a question. If you needed XYZ product or service, and I'll reference one of these ads that plays over and over again, who, who comes to mind? Mm-hmm. And they'll always tell me, mm, I, I, don't, I don't really know. Well, if you needed a roofer, for example, who would you call? And uh, they'll say, mm, I'm not really sure. Well, can you name a few for me? Well, not really. But there's this particular roofing company that just hammers ads over and over and over again on the station, meaning, what's the point? point is, is that they're not achieving. very cheap. Right, but he's not achieving top-of-mind awareness by broadcasting all of them. So rather, 
I would rather know exactly when and where and how my prospect's going to go look for my product and service and only be relevant to them at that specific point in time. I call that trap marketing. And when you know all those aspects of your ideal prospect, you can do that. You can spend your advertising dollars, however it might look, at the exact right place at the right time. Over the web, that gets a lot easier. That's correct. Because I know when someone needs a new window or window repair, they're going to go on the, on the web and write window repair, Cincinnati. <laughs> you want to be in the first ten. But in another example, I have a great friend of mine who runs a large manufactured testing company. He builds specialized testing machines. Mm -hmm. For him and his world, he's narrowed it down to certain trade shows because there are certain people of certain clients that he needs to meet with and create that relationship with, and that's where they get all of their business. And he doesn't waste his time with a lot of other things. We did a project like that for a, a, a publicly held company a few years ago. Uh, they were spending money on uh, probably 20 different magazines, uh, going to 10 or 12 trade shows a year, and we did a study for them over a year period of time, and determined that 91% of their total business, new business, and leads came from one trade show and two issues of the same magazine. The magazine that was distributed on this trade show floor as the program for the show, and the magazine that was either just after that show, month following, or the month before the show, getting people to come to the show. And they concentrated their ads in those three magazines, cut all the others out. The marketing lady looked like a hero because the number of leads went way up. And the uh, support, marketing support budget went way down because there were 10 shows a year or 12 shows a year they didn't have to do. And just shipping a, a big... Uh, Set of crates for a trade show can be terribly expensive. Yeah. So, uh, understanding where uh, people are finding you as a new prospect is important. But there are some businesses that don't have uh, that particular uh, window. Uh, we have one client who's in the uh, uh, asphalt parking lot maintenance business, and his veto is the facilities manager. And for those not familiar with Vito, that stands for? Very important top officer. Horace Sandler sometimes calls it uh, the start at the top. Uh, the vice president of facilities is the number one guy. And so we found a, uh, an email list vendor that had the phone numbers, names, and addresses of 1,800, 1,800 vice presidents of facilities in chain stores with over 10 locations. Extremely valuable. And so those marketing dollars to buy the list okay. makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense because they could be cold call the number eighteen hundred or small enough for a small team and cover in a year. Uh, had it been thirty five thousand, a whole different strategy would have had to been developed. Uh, what else do you want to talk tell our people well, about just the way? As, as an action point, I would I would encourage every business owner, if they haven't done so already, take a look at where your business has come from in the past couple of years. But more importantly, where did you make the most revenue? I mean, the Pareto rule kind of applies here in terms of as they study this across retail, service businesses, whatever. The Pareto principle is the 80-20 rule. rule, right? About a dangerous 80, rule. Yeah, about 80% of your revenue comes from 20% of your clients. I didn't believe that when I first heard that years ago. 
And when I studied it, guess what? I guess how what percentile of my uh, clients did I put in that top 80? 19%. And every time I redo the study on our client base, it's within a percentile two of that 20. So if you look at it and say, if all my revenue is coming from this top 20%, why would I treat and market to all prospects as if they were the same? Makes absolutely no sense. You want to discourage the ones that are not a fit for your product. Or absolutely. Service, disqualify them, move them out, and shift more of your dollars to the clients who are already good to use you more or use you again mm -hmm. or buy more from you or refer their friends and or their business colleagues. And buy one, let's say, step three. Yes. Step five. Mm -hmm. And kind of skip step four. Step two, maybe. Step yeah. one, maybe. Uh, but in my world, where balance is, is required, we've got to touch step one and two, and we've got to start touch step three and five, and we want to go light on four. Yeah, and the one thing I wanted to bring up too, Mike, is if you could elaborate on the one through ten scale that you use on how to how to rank mm -hmm. the value of a particular prospect. How to rank them on a scale of one to ten? On one to ten. Okay, first. First impressions, do you have access to veto? Very important top officer or the uh, person at the top of the decision tree for the type of product or service you're selling. Uh, second, do they have the psychological, clinical pain or problems in their head that you can actually solve? You know, if you can't solve a problem, uh, then I go to prospect. Uh, third, do they have a budget which will be consistent with what you're your typical fees off for that particular marketplace. And uh, I guess the last one is, you know, are they desirable? Is there a characteristic that would uh, make them less desirable? In, in my business today, uh, we attempt to avoid, and we do avoid, people who have adult learning deficit disorder. Typically, that's a seven-year case. We've done a few people like that. We've, we've helped them. Uh, unfortunately, they take more work. They're disproportionately more work. They're more expensive to run through. Uh, so I would prefer if we didn't take anyone like that again. Not that we can't, but we have to charge a price, which is what the amount of effort it's going to be to fix that person. And uh, in the uh, business-to-consumer, multi-level world, uh, we also created a policy. You know, we can we can work with them. We can help people who are selling. Melaleuca or prepaid legal, but only those people who are serious. And you're successful at this because you know the exact profile of who you're looking for and who you're looking to avoid. Right. And and the way we we, we get made that very simple is we said, you know, if you're a, a multi-level business, whether it's Amway or Melaleuca, you're a cash on the barrel head type of client. If you can put the money on the table, we'll take you on as a client. We'll help you fix and grow your business. But if you're a, a part-time person who's looking for secondary income by selling ACN or something like that, uh, and, and you want a payment program, uh, not I, I'm, not, I'm not the right play, player for you. Uh, and in our world, uh, serious players can be made better. Uh, Don, do you have any uh, less comments as we uh, run out of time here? No, I appreciate it. I would just encourage every business owner out there to look at their customer database and be able to answer the question, who 
or what is the ideal prospect I'm looking for? You answer that question, I'll make all your marketing decisions a hundred times clearer. Great, Don. Thanks for uh, being with us today, and uh, we're going to give you a, a new sale of the book, uh, and hopefully we'll see you in a President's Club class soon. You bet. Thank you. Scott, take it away. Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.